0: We started yesterday, and do uh, today. So here, I'm going to work from this sheet. Can you pass that around? Would you guys mind coming closer and just kind of... Stay Oh, what's your name? Ethan. Oh, me? Tommy. Tommy? Tommy, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, I actually spent a month in a raito, like uh, four years ago. Oh, yeah? During the winter break, yeah. Oh, okay. Good to reconnect. And you are? Ethan. Ethan? Yeah. Okay, and you are? Uh-huh. Good, good. All right, so today I want to jump right into the Shemona Esrei. Uh, what you have here is something that I, I put together. I call it a Kavana card. And um, basically what I did is I went through every bracha, and I paraphrased it so that a person could use this kind of like training wheels to daven from, so that, not, not that you should say these words, I don't, I'm not, intru- I'm not in, intending that one should change the nusach of the tefillah, but just in order to prepare yourself to have some sense of what's the point of this next request or this next praise... I kind of like just gave it a title and as short as possible a paraphrase of what the point is. And um, we're not going to read that. You can read that on your own, but uh, you can have that and we'll begin to understand the Sray. Esrei. Um, so first of all, the Shemana Esrei is called Midah. And uh, okay, well that's because we're standing. All right. But I don't know, is that enough? that it should merit to be called the Amida, just because we're standing. Well, no, we're not just standing, but the essence of it is about standing. It says that Avram Avinu, before he had accepted the Brit, he would always fuck the Amalekim. What's your name? Yaakov. Yaakov, nice to meet you. Here, This is the sheep we're working from. Riverdale. You're from Riverdale? Yeah. Okay. Um, if it's called Amida. Then that's telling us that there's something very special about that, and it really captures very much the direction that a Jew is meant to be going. Uh, Avram Avinu, as I mentioned before, he uh, embraced the Brit. It says that he fell on his face; he would he would collapse. Uh, the truth is, all the neviim, except for Moshe Uh when they would have a nevuah, they would they would they would faint or they would they. But Av, uh, no, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was completely lucid. Um, it says that Avram Avinu would fall on his face. But after the Brit, and this means Parsha, it says, and he's sitting. He's sitting. He's able to sit in front of Hashem and not fall on his face. And uh, he's able to stand up to Hashem. In the story of Sdom, he's able to stand up to Hashem. That's the direction that Torah sees a human being going. It's not in the direction where I am falling on my face and nullifying my sense of self. But just like a parent, a parent wants to build their child and enable their child. They want to see their child get up and stand on their own, so to speak. And so too, the, uh, the idea here is that we are able to stand before Hashem. So Shemana Esrei really captures a kind of peak experience where we're getting to a point where we can actually stand before Hashem. Now we do bow, and we bow just not too many times, actually. And the Gemara says that if you see somebody bowing more than they're halachically required to, you should teach them not to do that. So if Cook says, that's a strange kind of terminology to say, teach them not to do that. Teach them not to do that. Tell them the halacha. No, Rukuk says, no, there's much more to it. Teach them not to do that means something is philosophically flawed in their (coughs) understanding of what Hashem wants from us. And so if you just say, you know, that's not not the halacha, that wouldn't be enough. Because, okay, maybe technically they would just follow halacha, but educationally they'd be missing, why is it that the halacha... Because Rav Kuk says that the goal of Yiddishkeit is not to be bent over before Kaddish Baruch Hu. Zokev Kafufim, Hashem lifts up those who are bent over. He doesn't want you to be bent over. Same thing when a Talmud Chacham walks into the room, what do you do? You get up. Once upon a time, if a king were to walk into the room, he'd fall on your face. No, but you get up because the Talmud Chacham is meant to lift you up, strengthen you, build you up, empower you. Not make you feel weak and disempowered and feel, feel like a nothing in the presence of the Talmud Khacham. And all the more so, Kedush Baruch Hu does not want you to feel like nothing in His presence. So therefore, Rav Kook says, explain to this person that Hashem doesn't want you to be bowed over. But yes, you do have to bow as a preparation to kind of humble yourself. Still, a little, little humility you're standing for Kedush Baruch Hu. But you bow for the sake of standing up. The goal is to stand up, it's not to be bent over. And that's why the Amida is called the Amida because it's really capturing very much what it's about. I once read a book by a guru, and he said that the goal of his tradition was to teach people to sit. And I think we would say that our goal is to sit, it's called yeshiva, and Davin, stand up. Okay? But not just to sit. Not just to sit. So that's very important. And what, uh, and we don't have enough time in the two sessions that we have right now to do this tonight and tomorrow night, is what you'll see if you read these uh, lines carefully is that every request is articulated differently. Like it could have been a standard kind of fill in the blank. You provide wisdom. We need wisdom. Blessed are you who gives wisdom. You provide health. We need health. Blessed are you who provides health. It could have been a standard kind of fill-in-the-blank. But it's not. Some brachas start off with a comment. Tachonein ladamdat. Okay? Some brachas uh, don't. Hashivenu We go into a request. Some brachas mention a name of Hashem. Some brachas don't mention Hashem's name. Some brachas offer a reasoning behind our request. And some brachas offer no reason for or support or, uh, or rationalization for our, or our case for our, why? Why is it like that? There must be some reason. Well, what I've identified is that with every request, we become stronger, more assertive, more confident, even to the point that it starts to sound a little chutzpedik. Tika b'shofar gedol l'chei Blast a great chauffeur. We don't want anything less than that. And so what I believe is that the Shemana Estre is written in a way that kind of follows a movement whereby you are standing, but with each request you're standing taller. In my case, I didn't get that tall. But getting taller, straighter, stronger, to the point that it's so dangerous that in Modim, you got to bow down because the Midrash says, if you don't bow down in Modim, your spine will turn into a snake, a serpent when we get to that right? when we get to that we'll talk about that but it means that at this point you're at a danger zone where you're standing so tall and so strong so erect that this is already problematic so now you have to really bow down and then after that what do we do we do tachanun and we fall on our faces we're kind of balancing out the potential danger of a davening which is meant to really lift you up and empower you and enable you to stand before Hashem. So we'll take a look at some of the nuances, but again, this is a really a super, super crash course. So I want to focus more on the structure of this one Esrei. So as you know, the first three brachot are praises. And uh, if you ask somebody, why do we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The standard answer is that before you go to a king, you should praise him. You know, you can't go in for the ask. You know, you got to butter him up a little bit. A little bit of ego strokes. It's terrible thinking that you should think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs this kind of flattery. A Baruch Hu doesn't need this flattery. Not only does a Baruch Hu not need this flattery, the truth is what you're saying here is an insult to a Qajbarahu. A Baruch Hu is infinitely greater than anything you could say. Like Ref Klik explains, that no matter what we say, it doesn't come close to what we should have said. And what we should have said is but a tiny, dull spark of who a Baruch Hu actually is. Who a Baruch Hu actually is. And, um,. So these praises are not to flatter Coach word. I think by now he would have figured it out. No. These praises are in order for us to fulfill what's written at the front of most or many Batei Midrash or Batei Knesset. Da lifnei mi ata omed. Know before whom you are standing. And especially the issue of standing. Who is this God that wants me to stand? What kind of God is looking for me to stand? And so these three brachot are not for Hashem's sake. These three praises, these three shvachim, are for our sake. Know before whom it is that you're standing. What is the first bracha? Now, as I mentioned last night in the Musar, there's a nuance in the first bracha in terms of halacha. In terms of halacha. You're supposed to have kavana for this first bracha. And if somewhere in the middle or at the end of Shemana Estra you kind of wake up and say, hey, I'm davening. Hey, where am I? I thought I was uh, in Disney World. Oh, I see I'm in the Beit Midrash. That's not good, you know. It's like a rav once came up to a guy after his davening. He says, "How was the trip?" He said, "What trip?" <laughs> he said, "When you were davening, I saw that you weren't here. You must have gone somewhere." So, really, alachically, the original alacha was that if you did not say the first bracha with kavanah, you're supposed to go back to the beginning. Today practically that is not the halacha because sadly the attitude is that people's level of kavan is so low that the chances of you doing it better the next time is not so good. So practically we don't do that. But nonetheless we bring in that halacha to appreciate that there's something about this first bracha that really what's written in this hal- br- bracha if you don't know this and you don't believe this you couldn't even start the daven. There's no way that anything you said after that could have any meaning if you don't know this first bracha. And the truth is, I could spend an entire hour at least just on this first bracha. And yesterday I took a risk and I I, I tried to do it within a half an hour of a musashmutz. I thought it was worth it at least to kind of arouse people's attention and challenge them a little bit to take a look and really think about what are you saying in the first bracha? So just very quickly... The first word I want you to know is Baruch. And I mentioned it last night. It's amazing how many people I meet that are Torah Jews that don't know what the word Baruch means. They'll say blessed. And I'll say, okay, what does blessed mean? And they'll say Baruch. And I'll say, okay, let's start again. What does it mean Baruch Ata Hashem? You Hashem are Baruch. What it means, or one of the meanings, is you are the source of blessing. You are the source of blessing. That means that having you in my life, and so to speak, the kind of God I know you are, is a God that brings me blessing. See, there are people who have an understanding of Hashem that does not bring them blessing. It brings them burden. It destroys their lives. I've met people like that. That Hashem is destroying their lives because their faith rather than making their life, is breaking their life. Like uh, there would be atheists that would come to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and say, I don't believe in God. And the Rebbe would say, the God you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Who is the God we believe in? If you learn this first bracha in depth, it's an amazing text that clarifies who is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What kind of God do we believe in? What kind of God do we believe in? So, um, I actually shared this story with the Smith students this morning, so now I, I kind of remember it. Um, a number of years ago, I very much wanted to connect great Jewish leaders together. I thought, wow, wouldn't that be great? Especially since at that time I was very involved in the world of outreach. And I wanted to get Rav Noach Weinberg Zichren pracha, and Rav Shlomo Karbach Zichren Together, of course, before they died. Uh, to now are together, but uh, in But 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 at the time they were on Earth. But they're so different, so incredibly different. Rav Noach was not a Hasidic inclined type of Rebbe, um, and Rav Shlomo Kabach obviously was very much a Hasidic kind of Rebbe. And I thought it would be great because they're both so committed to outreach. Rav Noach said for sure. He's ready to meet Rav, Noach, Rav Shlomo. Rav Shlomo said for sure he was ready to meet Rav Noach. Uh, But Rav Shlomo did make a comment that was interesting. He said, you know, but Rav Noach and I have a completely different attitude of what needs to happen for outreach. He said, Rav Noach believes that there are many, many Jews that don't believe there's a God and that you need to provide evidence that there is a God he said, Brother, I've traveled the world. I've met Jews from all walks of life. I'm telling you, they believe in God. They just don't believe that God believes in them. And that's their problem. Who needs a God that doesn't believe in me? I don't, I don't, I don't want that God in my life. I, 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 I don't believe in me and I need God to remind me that he doesn't believe in me either. This first bracha is telling us how much God believes in us. Because what is it saying? Blessed are you, Hashem, you who are our God and the God of our fathers. What that basically means is that you become manifest in the world through us. Our God. Well, what is it about Hashem that's our God? Because there's something about Hashem that becomes channeled or present in the world through us. Just like I cannot be a rabbi without my students. So therefore, you know, I'm his rabbi, because without that student, David can't be Rabbi David. And so too, because Baruch Hu has given us this position, this responsibility... More than that, this uh, powerful opportunity to be a Merchava, to be a vehicle for His presence in the world. Our God and the God of our fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Each and every one of these patriarchs were responsible to bring something unique about Hashem that nobody brought into the world about Hashem. And we're taught in the Midrash, and Chabad very much focuses on, on this particular theme. The Tavik Kodesh Baruch Hu has a taiva to be in this world. How is a Kodesh Baruch going to get into this world? Through you. How am I going to get into this world as a Rabbi? Through students. How am I going to get into this world as a father? Through my children. How am I going to get into this world as a husband? Through my wife. Those relationships reveal and enable something about me to come into the world. And without those relationships, I couldn't be a father, husband, teacher. So too, a Kaddish Baruch who says, I want to come in this world. You're going to be the channel for that. Avram brings in Ha'el, Agadol; Yitzhak brings in Ha'gibor, Yaakov brings in Nora, El Elyon, and yet Hashem is beyond all that. There's so much more to download about Hashem in the world. tovim Hashem nurtures us with good kindness. What's bad kindness? Bad kindness undermines your self-worth. There's a bad kindness. People are so nice to you that they destroy you because they don't build you up. Because you get, you know, that's why in the world of tzedakah, what's the highest form of tzedakah? They don't know, you don't know. It's not the highest form. To empower the person. Give, a job. give them a job. The first way, the, f- the ideal tzedakah is to give a person a job. You can't get them a job, give them a loan. Let them pay you back later. Uh, you know they're not going to pay you back. They know they're not going to be able to pay you back. Okay, so you give it to them in a way they don't know where it's coming from. And if you can't do that, so you just give it to them. All, is, all of this is in consideration of maintaining their dignity. That's a good kindness. When I do a kindness and I rob you of your sense of self and your dignity, that's not good. Gomeil chazadim tovim. Hashem wants to give you a chesed that that, that um, sustains and nurtures gomel <laughs> chazadim, your sense of self. Because that's the greatest gift you can give your children. A sense of self. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you to have a sense of self because if you don't have a sense of self, then you would not even believe you could have a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And believe that there's something about the Kodesh Baruch Hu that you uniquely could be bringing into the world because of who you are and the kind of relationship you, you will uniquely have with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. And Hashem remembers the kindness of the forefathers. What kindness did the forefathers do? The kindness they did to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Because it says that when Adam and Chava did Chet Adam Rishon, well, <laughs> when they did the Chet and what did they do? They threw the shkina out of the world. The presence of Hashem was thrown out of the world. Avram brought back the right side of the shkina. Yitzchad brought down the left side of the Srina. Yaakov brought down the center of the Srina, Whatever all that means is not for now. But they brought the shkina back to the world. But there's more to bring about a Kodesh Baruch Hu into the world. And that's so, they did a chesed for G-d Baruch The Shekhinah was in exile. They brought the Shekhinah to the world. And to reciprocate to that chesed, Hashem's going to redeem their children. And to redeem their children means I'm going to give your children a sense of self. Because to redeem somebody is to give them a sense of real value. Real value. And all he's doing is, But it's Laman Shemot. He's been doing all this selfishly. All of this is being selfish. It's modifying everything before that. Laman Shemot, for the sake of his name. What does it mean Hashem is doing something for the sake of his name? Because without you, I don't have a name. What good is my name on an island? If I'm on an island and there's nobody there that relates to me and acknowledges me, I, I, my name is meaningless. So Kaddish Baruch Hu does all this for the selfish reason that he wouldn't have a name on earth if there weren't people that felt strong enough and confident enough that they could engage in a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu and call His name. But could a Kaddish Baruch Hu be selfish? No. It's be Ahava. It's with love. Where's the love in all this? So this is the love. I mentioned this last night, I'm just doing this quickly. There's a beautiful teaching by the psychologist Eric Fromm that Mamish explains, I don't think he was trying to explain something deep in Torah, but this mom is just a key to understanding something deep in Torah. So there's two kinds of love. Mature love and immature love. Immature love, the, the love of a child. The love of a child is, I love my parents because I need my parents. I need my parents, so I love them. That's immature love. Not bad, but it's not mature. Mature love is not that I love you because I need you. I need you because I love you. I have chosen to enter into such a relationship with you that you become someone that I need in my life. So it's a kind of a paradoxical idea whereby I choose to need you. Because Baruch doesn't need to need us. But he chooses to need us. Because you know what the greatest gift you can give a person? A feeling of being needed. There's nothing more devastating, <coughs> love for you, the feeling that nobody needs you. You don't matter. Terrible. Terrible. I had a friend, we were walking along, the. we were oh wow. wow, I was just talking about how much I need you. <laughs> Thank God. And, uh, I have a friend, we were walking along the, the ocean, and he's not married, he's much older in, in age, and he's alone. And he said to me sadly, he said, you know what? If I were to throw myself into the sea, it would make no difference to anybody. <laughs> Nobody needs me in this world. Nobody needs me. I said, Joel, that's not true. I need you because you owe me ten bucks. <laughs> I was joking. But um, I remember I used to work in a building that also housed a place for the elderly. It was sad so sad. These people are in this and this feeling like I have nothing really of any importance to do with my life. And they try to keep them busy. They have disco for the agent. Do you know what that looks like? You know old people in their 80s doing break dance. It's momish break dance. <laughs> they momish break themselves dancing. This is what they're doing in the last years of their life. Ah, oh, that was nothing. Downstairs every single day for three four hours was an ongoing poker game in a smoke filled room of elderly men coming every day to play poker. That's what you're doing in the last days of your life. Playing poker? And it was it was because I kept winning. I'm just joking. <laughs> so <laughs> it was neba. But now it's so beautiful in Eretz Israel. there's now a project, and I understand it's in other places of the world, but now it's, it's in Eretz Israel, and they're, and they're actually televising this project. They're putting a, they put a kindergarten in, a, in an elderly home. And they're demonstrating the relationship between the children and the elderly people. And they're interviewing, a woman said, I feel so alone. My children live in America, and, uh, and, and 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 she's just. This has brought life to me. The elderly play with the children. The children feel a responsibility to help the elderly, and they're showing physical transformation in the health of these elderly people. They're stronger. There's a man there that walked with a walker, and suddenly he doesn't need his walker. Because he went to play with this kid. And it's just amazing. They're giving them a purpose to live. A feeling that I'm needed. You see, animals have needs. Human beings have a need to be needed. That's a gift. That's a gift. And so Kedesh Baruchu does all this Laman Shemo. He does this all for the sake of his name. I need you. Because without you, I can't be a Vinu. I can't be Malkenu. I need children to be a Vinu. I need subjects to be a Malkenu. I need you for my name in the world. You're my promoters. You're my PR people. My name is upon you. I've put the responsibility of my name in the world through you. And you know what? And this is an act of love. I'm giving you that opportunity. Melech, Ozeru, Moshiach, my king. And there's no such thing as a king without a nation who helps, who saves, who protects. Hashem helps. And He even saves when you're in such a bad place. So why is He protecting you? What's He protecting you from? He helped you, He saved you. If He protected you, you wouldn't have needed help. You would not have needed to be saved. So what's He protecting you from? Himself. He'll help you He'll even save you and he'll protect you from the negative side effects of you possibly losing your sense of self. Because he wants you to stand. Magei Navraham, the first human being in history that stood before Kodesh Barak, was Avram and He said, How could you do this? You can't do this stone. We, we have to talk about this. Shem doesn't want a bunch of yes men, he doesn't want people to say, Yes, sir. Anything? Okay, sure. That's not a relationship. Akados Baruch Hu wants a relationship. Akados Baruch Hu wants his sons to win him in an argument of Torah Pad. There's such amazing midrashim that say such amazing things about you know. Don't you want your kid to be strong? So, what does the first bracha tell us? That's so important that halachically, although practically today we don't do it, that I need to know this is the God I'm talking to. This is the kind of God we believe in. A God that believes in us and chooses to need us. The Ahava, with love. Otherwise I have nobody to talk to. Why would you even talk to a culture? Why would you think he has any interest in your life? What possible interest? Why would the Master of the Universe, the Sof, have any interest in us? <laughs> So without that, you really have no leg to stand on for your amida. So that's the first bracha. The first bracha is Hashem is invested in us, and Hashem, so to speak, loves us. Someone today asked me this question. You know, why is it in the Orthodox world people are very uncomfortable hearing rabbis say that Hashem loves you? It bothers them. I don't know. It says it in the (laughs) Davinim. I didn't make this up. You know, I didn't make this up. I remember this girl walks by me in the Old City. She says, ah, you're Rabbi Aaron. You're the love rabbi. I'm the love rabbi? I hate everybody. What are you talking about? <laughs> what, what do you mean I'm the love rabbi? She says, oh, you talk about God loves us. I talk. I, I made this up. Ava rabba haftetani. Ava I made this up. You don't say it every day. What have you been saying? So, the first bracha is Hashem is all-loving invested, and even more than that, He loves you, therefore He needs you. And that first bracha says, I need you. And I'm going to take care of you, because you're that important to me. And so tell me what you need, because your needs are primary of concern of of me. That's the first bracha. The second bracha... What is that talking about? Now again, I can do an entire hour just on that bracha. And actually, at Orita, I go through every single bracha and every single bracha is about an hour. And by the way, you can go online at davidaron.com, and my entire Shiri on tefillah is there. It's all free. You can go there. I've got Shema. Anyways, uh, the second bracha is okay, Hashem loves me. He needs me because He loves me. I'm that important to Him. Okay, great. But who says He can deliver? Maybe, maybe He can't deliver. So there's a very famous book by the name of When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It was written by a rabbi, uh, a reform rabbi, by the name, I think it was reform, His name was Kushner. And he wrote this book and it became a very, very popular book many years ago called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Now, I'm not judging him. What I understood when I read the book that kind of motivated him to write the book was a personal tragic uh, situation in his life. His child was diagnosed with something called rapid aging disease. And he saw his son rapidly age and die. You know, at a very, very young age, became a, like an old man and died. And so uh, so Kushner is struggling with the whole concept of when bad things happen to good people. And uh, this is the way I understood the book. Again, it's possible I misunderstood the book, but this is the way I understood the book. Essentially, this is his question. Either God is all-loving and all-good, but not all-powerful, or God is all-powerful, but he's not all-good. Because if Hashem is all-good and all-powerful, then why are all these people suffering? So it must either be that he's all good, but he just can't do it. He can't help them. There's just something he can't do. Or he is all powerful, but then he's not all good, because why is he leaving all these people in so much pain, so much suffering? So from what I understood from his book, he concludes that God is all good, but not all powerful. And in his book he says, and you, you will obviously wonder then, do I pray? What's the point of praying? He says, I pray to God like I talk to a good friend. I don't think my good friend can help me. But I find comfort in being able to bear my pain and share my soul with my good friend. Yeah? All right. Anyways, that's up the (laughs) course. I mean, that's not what we say here. Now, he retracted this, 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 this position. Many years later... I think it was called a book called "The Lord Is My Shepherd." I didn't read the book; I just happened to see it in a a bookstore, and I was curious of what's it about. And I opened up the introduction, and uh, he actually says, "I wrote a book when bad things happen to good people," and I, and there I had uh, concluded that God is either all good or all or all powerful, but not both. But I retract that. All right, Seder. (laughs) Um, Well, we believe that Hashem is all good, all loving. The second bracha is He's all powerful. All right, Tagibor Leolam Hashem. There's so much more to it, but why? Why is it very much centered around Tchiasimayti? Well, if there's any end that would basically be an indication of the end, the the irreparable, the point of no return, end, that would be death. And, and and the Kodesh Baruch who can even revive the dead. That's how all powerful he is. So much more to say, but this is a crash course, so we're crashing ahead. <laughs> the next paracha, ta'kadosh lam Hashem, shibcha kadosh ha'kadoshim yiluchasela, that's really strange. Because ata'kadosh, and kadosh kashem ki efes bil It says in Shmuel, um, Shmuel Avalef, I believe it is, chapter 2. Kadosh means there's nothing but a Kadosh Baruch. He's whole. He's whole. He misses, lacks nothing. And if a Kadosh Baruch is Kadosh, and F is Biltek, and there's nothing but you, then how can Shimcha Kadosh? How can your name be Kadosh? That's a contradiction. Because what did we say a name necessitates? Someone not you. There's got to be a not you in the world for a name to have any meaning. Because if there's just you, the names are meaningless. The only reason to have a name is there's somebody not me out there that can reach out and call out and connect to me. But otherwise they don't need a name. So we're actually saying something quite paradoxically. Atakadosh. Which means you're a whole. There's nothing but you. And yet, there's someone not you that says you're So It's a mystery. Who and holy ones. And the question is, who are those holy ones? Some say it's Malachim. Some say it's Tzadikim. But there are these holy ones that forever praise you. Now why is that important over here? I think it's important here to remind us that after the first two brachot that very, very much personified Hashem, He's all loving, He's all powerful, but I have to remember He's still all mysterious. And forever they will praise you and they will never come close to figuring you out. Because you are a mystery. I think it's important that we remind ourselves that as much as we talk to Hashem as if He's a person in the sky, we have to remind ourselves that's, that's not quite true. It's the best we can do as human beings. But he's much greater than that. He's ain't so. So the third bracha, I think, is reminding us Nora. The first bracha is very much Ha'ela Gadol. The second bracha is Ha'ela Gibor. The third bracha is Elinora. Norah is awesome. Can't figure you out. You're beyond anything that we could say or hope to understand about you. The mind cannot grasp the truth of the body So, this is our God. This is who we stand before an all loving, all powerful, and yet all mysterious Hashem in our lives. Any questions on that before we go on? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. What's your name? The word whole? Revelations to the word holy? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. So the I mean? word kadosh, the Zohar says the kadosh means shlemut. Shlemut is whole. That's why it's been spelled wrong. It should have been W H O L L Y. You know, Shekhi, Dishan, and you have made us holy. W H O L L Y, three of I'm becoming more of a whole person. And uh, And that's really what kadosh means. Now, most people know the word kadosh is separate, but that's not a good translation. It would be better to say it means transcendent. Nivdal. That's the Hebrew word that's used. Nivdal. And what does Nivdal mean? Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Hashem tzvakos, malekol arts kodot. Hashem is so beyond this world. He so transcends this world. He's in it. And he doesn't have to be trapped by it. That's what Kadosh means. I'm so beyond that, for instance, you can have a person, I was at somebody's home for Friday night dinner, and uh, they did kiddush and they passed around wine. The person next to me passed it on to me. I said, no, no, that's for you. He was very uncomfortable. And I realized, he's probably an alcoholic. He's, he doesn't even want to smell it. So he, he, he removes himself from alcohol. And, and that's very admirable. But is he still addicted to alcohol? He is. He's addicted, but he is kolokavod with tremendous um, personal um, restraint. He stays away from it. But he has to stay away from it. If he really was free of alcohol, he could drink a little alcohol and not finish the bottle. He's so beyond it, he can have some of it without becoming addicted or trapped to it. So true he's so beyond this world, he can be in it without being trapped by it. That's holy. That's a holy. Yeah. You mentioned before the importance of standing. Sometimes it's, they have the Amidao stand, sometimes they have Nefatah paim. You mentioned also Hasul Chabad. Like in Chabad, they always talk about Bitl. Bitl this, Bitl that. So how do how do we reconcile this, these conflicting ideas? Right. The Bitl is your ego, not yourself. The pittal isn't that you should be a weak person. The Labavitcher Rebbe was far from a weak person. Moshe Rabbeinu was not a weak person. And yet he says, Ma, what am I? But that's what made him strong. As soon as you know that in and of myself, I'm nothing, that's when you're ready to realize in and of a Kodesh Baruch I'm a part of a Kodesh Baruch I'm really powerful, but this power doesn't come from me. It comes from my connection to Kodosh Baruch Hu. So when we say Bittu Yesh, Yesh means to mine, Yesh, Yesh lead So Bittu Yesh is that I'm nullifying this deluded sense that these are my powers, this is my strength, and I am self-contained, self-sufficient, and exist independent of Kodosh Baruch Hu. That's, that's called ego. But Bittu Yesh means I nullify the delusion that I'm a separate, independent, self-contained being and that enod mevado, there's nothing but a Kodesh Baruch and I exist within him and I'm a facet of him. So that bitol empowers you. Moshe Rabbeinu, he knows that all the powers within him are not from him. And now he's really powerful. Because now he's a cleave for a Kodesh Baruch powers. If they're my powers, eh. What am I, puny? I'm Mickey Mouse. But if I am mevado, this... This deluded sense of mine, this is my power. Hey, you're a weakling. Well, what koach do you have? Okay, so those, any more questions on the first three brachot, which are Again, the shvachim are not in some way intended to um, flatter <laughs> It's to enable us to understand. All right. This was supposed to end at I think a quarter to nine. Was it? I think it was just supposed to be half an hour. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, but I have another shear now. So um So, Shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so tomorrow we'll zoom through the rest of the Shmanaswa and we'll crash.